With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Thursday. A chilly that is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 on the FM dial. We welcome you to the program as Trent Condon, Ken Miller, and we return to local sports here for the next couple of hours on the BMW the morning guest list uh, here today looks like this. We'll start with Nate Bolton. He's a state senator, Democratic state senator, who's, along with Brad Zahn, uh, instrumental in trying to pass the name, image, and likeness bill that is working its way through the legislature. Uh, took another step forward yesterday, a unanimous vote. Um, have no idea where it goes from here. I'm way over the tips of my skis. Uh, but Nate Bolton will uh, uh, join us at about 1025 uh, as Iowa looks to pass it, its uh, own bill prior to or waiting on the feds, uh, if indeed that's going to happen. There are, have been a number of states apparently that have gone down that road, and Iowa might be next. Yeah, you're looking at me like I'm going to be able to no, help out. <laughs> I know you were no Thank help. goodness for Nate Bolton. <laughs> you know, I look at you a lot and, you know, save me in the middle of something here, but that was not one you know of those times. You know better than that. I yeah. do. Uh, but Nate Bolton will be here at 1025. And then Joe O'Donnell, uh, the Wild and, uh, I guess, the first homestand of the year. Uh, it's only one game this weekend, Saturday night, before they head on the road for a long time. So uh, if you're jonesing for something to do locally uh, and hockey's your gig, well, the Wilder in town uh, Saturday night, and we will have Joe O'Donnell in here at 1045 to catch up uh, on the AHL franchise uh, after three games, what they were 1-1, and they grabbed the point on the losing in overtime. Uh, so we'll get Joe O'Donnell at 1045. Then Mac McCausland, who we haven't spoken with in a long time, uh, will join us. We will recap last night's Iowa game with Mac McCausland, catch up with Mac at 11.05, and Matt Poston's on the Big 12 uh, at uh, 11.25 or thereabouts. We'll go around the Big 12. Of course, there's a Big 12 game in our uh, well, not, I guess it's our neighborhood. It's Story County, after all, in uh, Kansas and Iowa State tonight. It is a 6 o'clock tip. ESPN has it, if you can't be in front of your TV. Of course, the Cyclones play on 100.3, the bus pregame with uh, John and Eric at 5 o'clock tip at 6. Hawks win, Bulldogs win. Well, Miss wins for you. Yes, they did. Good call last night. Clubbing. Yeah, that wasn't even close. Uh, that was a big, bold call on your part. So we can start at the Nap Center. Uh, we can start at Carver Hawkeye. Let's start there. Uh, but I do want to get, I do want to touch on Drake because Hemphill, uh, that, that's a blow. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how bad it is, but I watched him wa- not walk off the court, hop off the court. He put no pressure whatsoever on that left foot of his. Apparently after the game, he was in a boot and they need Tank Hemphill. He's their leading scorer. Uh, and here comes Loyola of Chicago. So not the most opportune to, opportune time for an injury uh we'll get more on that one but the hawks win trent uh, they beat rutgers 
I can't help you about the, at all in the first 15 minutes of the game because <laughs> I was watching Indiana or Northwestern in a game I thought would never end. And it almost went to a third overtime period. Now, remember what I said to you yesterday, uh, Chris, yes. 155, let's yes. get this thing done? I, just, I was thinking the exact same thing. And then you asked about the... Um, Overflows. Overflow channels yeah. on the Big Ten Network. They don't pay for them in, the, in, uh, in anything other than non-football because they have to reserve the satellite time, and that's mm-hmm. expensive. One other thing I, I did think about is because of the relationship with Fox, and not FS1 because they have other programming, but FS2, yeah, great which has... What do they have? When was the last time you ever watched it other than when a game's gone on long? That's it. When go to FS2 for, uh-huh. and what is it, 619? 618, 619, Six, Right in that range on, on DirecTV. On DTV, yeah. And uh, so that was a thought that popped into my head. Now, it's actually I, a good one. I flipped on the app and was able to watch it on my phone. Yeah. But it's not the same. No. It, and it was, well, I'll tell you the first four minutes, you <laughs> missed miss nothing. Trang, it, it, was, was, it was worse than it sounded like it was. It was 3-3. After the first media, it looked time, uglier uh, than that. Fourteen. It should have been negative three to negative three. It was that bad. Awful. Just chucking, yeah. absolute, just some terrible shots, and it looked ugly. Iowa got off to a slow start, but again, as Thankfully, we saw, Rutgers did too. Yes, like we saw the Indiana game, though they came out right away, and there was there was try on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Now Rutgers also missed a lot of open shots mm-hmm. throughout the game. And it feels like at times that is the Iowa defensive strategy. Hope they miss an open shot. It's not the best, but it's a strategy, that is for sure. But Rutgers didn't shoot it very well. No, terrible. Watching this game, the coming out party of Wieskamp for a full game. Uh We've seen halves like this. Mm -hmm. We've seen stretches like this. Very rare have we seen. What do you have, 16 in the first half or 18 in the first half and 10 in the second half? We rarely see the complete performance, Uh though, from him. He had a big three in that second half, Trent. As they were trimming it down to four. Yep. And it felt like, here we go again. Mm -hmm. He was able to pull them out. Also, Frederick making plays. So we got Wieskamp and C.J. Frederick. It hasn't shown up on the scoreboard, but I think you saw it last night. Well, just Settle says as much that Frederick's got his fingerprints all over this game as they went back to the studio and and Settle's was sitting in there. Two assists. But they were both big assists at times uh-huh. that they really needed a bucket. The offense just looks better with him in there. It just, even if he's not scoring. Last 10 Big Ten games he's played, he's only scored 29 points. Mm-hmm. I can do that math. 2.9 mm-hmm. a game. That's not your second lead, best player. I just like got a NASCAR was on Fox Sports 2 okay. because it's Daytona week. Ah. Thank you, Glenn, for, t- for sending me that text. But even if there was a NASCAR, they still don't do it. Maybe they should. Let's, yeah, no, I'm with you. We'll make our contacts with BTN and see what yeah. we can do. Uh, to Frederick, though, there's just something about him out there, that calming presence, that that guy that makes the right play, that doesn't turn it over, that is always seemingly in the right spot at the right time. The offense looked a lot better. The defense looked a lot better, even if he's not a plus defender on his own. Just everything works a little bit better with C.J. Frederick out there. Uh, Trent is clearly hurt, obviously, mm-hmm. and it's not going to get any better. And I anticipate that we will hear once the season ends, whenever that does, that very soon after that, that C.J. Frederick has undergone whatever surgery it is. Um, There's fit. a lot of conversation about plantar fasciitis. Is that what they're saying? That's Well, that's something that just goes away with rest. And right. what my take is on this is he can't hurt it any worse than it is, and so he's going to gut it out and try and play. Mm-hmm. But rest is the only, if that's what it is, then rest is, I believe, is um, 
are very high on the list of uh, things uh, you want to do to, to in order to put that behind you. A couple of years ago, Bohannon was dealing with that injury, and again, I'm not positive that's the injury, but, but that, there's been the buzz? there's been rumblings well, that that's what it is. But remember Bohannon talking about it. He said there's some days he woke up. Feel fine, mm-hmm. and, and and Frederick said the same thing. In fact, he said uh, there was a practice earlier this week that he thought it was his best practice in weeks. And then you wake up another day and you can't move. Uh-huh. And I remember Bohannon talking about it was difficult just to get out of bed. This was a twenty-year-old guy trying to get out of bed. Think of that, and that's how difficult this injury can be. If it's the same injury, we do know know it's something though. They'd write. Now, does it make sense to just shut him down? No, to, I to don't. March? If you can't make it any worse, you may as well. Because he wants to play. Right. And they're a better team with him playing. It's just mm-hmm. uh, whether he's, um, you know, he's, he's not even close to 100%. It's not the same guy we saw on the floor up in the, uh, on Christmas um, when he was filling it up. And then the uh, game right after that, it's not the same player. But the, he means a lot to this basketball team. He's better when he's on the floor. And I think he's going to stay there and just gut it out. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. once the season ends, we'll find out what it was and uh, what the diagnosis is and how he's going to get it better in time for uh, next year. Um, are you getting a little, not tired, that's not the right word. The, the last few nights, I don't know, look, Luca Garza has set the bar really, really high, mm-hmm. right? You expect, as, as, and I love Robbie Hummel. In fact, Robbie Hummel and Jason Benetti, tonight, if you're at home at 4 o'clock and there's nothing on TV, uh, Minnesota and Purdue play at 4 o'clock tonight. And Bonetti and Hubble have the have the call of that game. That's an A team to me. <laughs> but back to my Luca Garza point. The last three Iowa games, or seemingly that's the number, anyways. Yeah, twenty two and ten, but it was a quiet twenty two and ten. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know what you're are saying. We, are they starting to? Are we knocking him down? Not we. Are are the national pundits starting to knock his game a little bit? Because it's it's not thirty two and fifteen. It's only twenty two and ten, or twenty six and twelve, or heaven forbid, eighteen and nine. Um, I just I just get the sense that you know what do you want him to do? He can't be he can't do this every single night. And again, he had twenty two and ten last night. But does he look different to you? Well, I think he's starting to wear and tear yes, a little bit because, and I think that's also a component because the guys we're talking about. They've seen a lot of Luka Garza, uh-huh. and they've seen him at his best. And right. They've seen what a fresh Luka Garza can be. This is the grind of the Big Ten. Uh-huh. This is the grind of conference basketball in general. And they're not buying that little head fake underneath the basket anymore, right. too. They're waiting for him. They know he's going to you know, fake going up with it and then come down and on his second attempt. They watch film. I think one of the biggest things is it feels like that jumper isn't as automatic as it was. And I'm not talking about the three-point shot, which he had another big one mm-hmm. also last yep. night. And the three-point shot, not quite as good as it was at the beginning of the year. Right, Legs you got to figure legs, apart. Yeah. But that when he turns to face from 15 feet, and he would just shoot right over top of guys, and it was automatic the first month, month and a half of the season. And now, coming up short, or a little, he's pushing it up there, and it just it doesn't have that same kind of feel. I'm sure those same guys, the Hummels of the world, see the same thing. He's still excellent. And he's still great, and he's still going to get his. Is he scored double digits now? What's the streak up to forty three consecutive games? He's scored double figures, right. unheard of at the collegiate level. Yet here he is. So, I think that's what they're probably seeing, and I think we're seeing the same thing. But he's still really good, and you still put everything through him, and you put him at that level. You just got to have guys that help him, mm-hmm. and it's got to be Wieskamp. camp was last night, and it's got to be Bo, and you got to uh-huh. have these guys making plays, and on and on and on. The bench, I thought, had their spurts last night. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of the bench that 
still is, I guess, divisive inside the Hawkeye community. It's the point guard position. Yep, it is. And Joe Tucson. He's the, he's Exhibit A. So where where are you with Joe Tucson? What what his well, role is for the rest of this year? Well, I think it's, it's it's diminished. It's certainly not what I thought it was going to be because I didn't see Perkins or Eulis certainly Eulis, mm-hmm. um, having the impact. He's not playing a ton of minutes, but there there when he's on the floor, he's he's certainly active and has had his moments. Look, Tucson last night, Wieskamp did him no favor. Wieskamp led him into a really bad spot. That turnover made him look bad, but that's on Joe Wieskamp. He's got to realize where he's inbounding the ball and he's about to, you know, that's like if you're a quarterback and you're, you're trying to hit one of your guys over the middle and there's a linebacker or a safety zeroing in on him you throw the ball anyways knowing he's going to get rocked. Uh, that was kind of what happened last night to Tucson. But Trent, I'm starting to think that maybe the future that Joe Toussaint, that we all envisioned he would have, mm-hmm. might not be as bright, perhaps, going forward. Um, look, I'm, I'm certainly, I hope that Joe Toussaint finishes his career here because I think he brings something to the floor. But so does Euless in, in the minutes, right? Um, I, don't think, I, I don't think he's going to reach the heights that we thought he was going to do when we saw him for the first time. Fair? Turnover rate, 27.3. He Uh is turning it over at a huge clip right now. Again, that one last night, though, and that's only one. That wasn't on him. But there's a lot more than that. His offensive rating, his usage rate, which measures how often you are involved in the offense, is the second highest on the team. Now, I know minutes are very different for him, but when he has the second highest usage rate after Luka Garza, and he's ahead of... Bohannon, Trent, I'd, I'd, I'd have guessed four or five or six or seven guys before I would have got to him. Yeah, that's not a good thing. And it's coupled with the worst offensive rating, and it's not close on the team. So we know efficiency numbers, how good I was, and the best team in the country in offensive efficiency. Every regular player out of the group of nine on this team is 111 or better. 100 is average. Every one of them, mm-hmm. eight of nine, is 111 so or So 100 better. is average. 111. 100 is, is average. Yes. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Per person. Yep. Everybody except for Tucson is at 111. I mean, this is elite. Mm-hmm. Tucson is at 92.3. Mm-hmm. In Big Ten play, that number shrinks to 86.3. He's a bad offensive player right now. That's what the metrics tell us. Yeah. He's a walking turnover. He's not shooting the ball well. He's two of nine from three this year. He's not a guy that's playable with the level that he's yeah. playing at right now. Yeah, um, I can't argue that point. I mean, I, I, I thought he'd be playing more as we mm-hmm. get to the middle of February here, but those numbers seem to be going the other way. All right, let's get to Drake and you and I last night. It was good to have them on CBS Sports uh, Net last night, 221 on DirecTV. It was a fun watch. Panthers hung in there, made it close. Uh, just too much Murphy uh, in the basketball game, particularly in the first half. But here's where I think uh, Drake's in a little bit of trouble this weekend. Uh, if Hemphill, who's their leading scorer, if he can't answer the Bell, that you take him out of that lineup, that that's a huge, huge blow because we know this Loyola Chicago team is absolutely legit, and they're going to walk in here as a favorite at the Nap Center on both Saturday uh, and Sunday's game, and it didn't look good for Hemphill uh, um, when he left the floor last night. You know, it was good to see them going out and, and getting Samaki some more minutes. The mm-hmm. young man from yep. Grandview, yep. Christian, who uh, put together a great, fun career. Mm-hmm. You know who had a good game last night, too? Yusufu. He did. That guy, I watch him sometimes. As a, this guy's going to be all MVC. Uh-huh. And then you watch him other and said, 
you should be selling popcorn. I mean, the, the inconsistency from him. And I've talked to a couple of Drake fans that it drives them nuts. They see the exact same thing. It's up and down, but it was certainly up last well, night. Well, his he was free really throws. Good. And from the charity stripe, he, was, he didn't miss. He was nine for nine. Uh, Penn was good. Murphy mm-hmm. was terrific. Uh, a lot of buzz on Murphy eating the, the mustard packet, uh, opening that up and, uh, and swallowing that down. I, I've seen a couple of players in the NHL have done it before, so I, I knew it was a thing. Apparently, it's for cramps. Is oh, really? It? Apparently, now, that's, I remember, um, well, the guy's name is Testu. Not that that means, uh, rings a bell to anybody, but yeah, he would do it before a game. Like, you know, some guys do the smelling salts. Yeah, yeah. Some guys open up the package of mustard and put it in their mouth and just squeeze the mustard out and off the main. For cramps. It prevents cramps, apparently. Is this like the old pickle juice thing? Well, you don't do pickle juice on the bench. Sure. You uh, do? Didn't the Eagles do that? On the bench, though? I, I thought, thought that was a so. I thought they thing. had Maybe it on the sideline. Maybe they did. I could be nuts. No, you might but you might, you might, might not be. I mean, the pickle juice is legit. I thought it was the Dallas Cowboys that started that for whatever reason, but regardless. Uh, but the mustard thing, whatever works for Murphy, uh, have yourself a double dose on the weekend because this Loyola team is <laughs> yeah. legit and they need you. And he was terrific last night uh, in the basketball game. Penn did not shoot the ball well, but he's such a smart player. Uh, our guy Sturts for Newton, speaking of smart players, uh, once again, his uh, uh, his college basketball IQ was on full display for the minutes. He was on the floor. Good to see Drake get back into the win column after getting picked off for the first time by Valpo and batting down the hatches because um, this weekend is on. Now, here's the question for you. Yeah. Mr. Bracketologist. <laughs> sure. Um, it feels like Drake needs to... Well, let me put it, pose it to you this way. If they right. split, do they get in? If they don't win in St. Louis? Because if they split, they're not going to win the conference, I don't think. You wouldn't think so, no, right now, because Loyola... Well, Loyola does have a conference They've got loss. one. They've yeah. got one loss, but they played more games. They have. So if they... If, if Drake splits here and then wins out until the championship yeah. game, they're in. They're in. So what if they what if they get swept? What if they lose both of them this weekend and don't win in St. Louis? And don't win in St. Louis. That's, so four, they win. Lo- that's four losses. Lose to Loyola in the championship again in that scenario, though? Well, I think so, yeah, because I that's a little I still privilege. think they'd be I hope in. so. But it, it's hard to tell, and those numbers are going to look bad, because if they don't have a win against Loyola, mm-hmm. they're going to be more than likely 0-3 yep. against Quadrant 1. Not to have one victory to hold your hat on. That's why one of them is so important this week. Yeah. Look, they might win them both. This is a really good team. They are. But the the hype around this Loyola team, uh, we, we heard it from Cappy. Um, we heard it from Kevin Lehman, mm-hmm. uh, who's had them a couple of times this year uh, in anticipation of this game. We were bringing uh, up uh, Porter Moser's team, and they're legit. So good win for Drake last night. Nice to see them get back in the win column again. Um, all ears and eyes are going to be on the uh, – on DeVries when he has his press conference today. He said, we know more today about uh, Tank Hemphill, who is the leading scorer on the team and is a massive, massive piece of that starting lineup. But if he can't answer the bell this weekend, I know it's next man up on every team. You hear that. But this is the leading scorer. I uh, got an answer for our pickle juice game. What is it? It was, uh, they were playing the Cowboys. So the Cowboys were involved. And it was Cowboys-Eagles? Yes. Game temperature, 105 degrees on the artificial turf, suggested it felt like 150. So this is at the vet. This is going back? This No, this is old Texas Stadium. Oh, this is in Dallas. Okay. September of 2003. And uh, Andy Reid, the coach at the time for the Eagles, surprised everyone with an onside kick to begin the game. (laughs) 
set the tone in a 41-14 victory. But pickle juice on the sidelines, and it was uh, considered the known for Eagles fans as the pickle juice game. Interesting. Uh, onside kick, I mean, the, the greatest onside kick in the history of the NFL had to be the Super Bowl, right? Sean Payton. Oh, no doubt. The, <laughs> he's swinging a pair. Was he not in the Super Bowl that starts the second half with that? Wow. Um, yeah, unbelievable. So, well, you were right. So we, I'm going to give us both a half a point. Partial credit, yes. Yeah, both a half a point on that. We'd love to give somebody $1,000. So I need a ruling on this. Yes, yes. So there, we're still looking for our first winner, right? No, our, no, we got it yesterday. Well, that was my that was my yes. question yeah. to you. I heard AD say yesterday during Murph and Andy, it happened in the ten o'clock hour. That's what I heard. I think it was the nine o'clock hour. Well, that's what I heard. I'm just going what our fine program director said on the air here in KXNO. We get credit. This is ours. I'll take it. We got a winner. We're Let's looking give for our one. second straight winner. Back to back. Uh, it's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. See, somebody won yesterday. This could be you today. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. Right now, it's your chance at $1,000. That's BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, BILLS to 200-200. We will head to the legislature next. Brad Zahn, Republican. Nate Bolton, Democrat. They have introduced a bill that has made making its way through the legislature. Name, image, and likeness. Nate Bolton, Democratic State Senator, will join us uh, on the other side. We will do a little puck, and then at 11 o'clock we'll get into the Big 12 with Matt Postens and the Hawkeyes with Mac McCausland. Kansas, Iowa State tonight, the number is what? Do you, do you Did you look? 14 and a half is where it was last night. I fired right Four. away. What did you do? I grabbed the points. Did you? But like a big number. That does seem like a big now, number. Now, is it just overreaction to the last time we saw Iowa State have a good effort? Or, conversely, Kansas looked pretty good they in their did. last game. 14 and a half is a lot. That is a lot of points. And it's not like you're going to be hearing the the echoes inside of no. Allen Fieldhouse. By the way, K-U. I... Um, <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's eerie. It's awesome. I That might be more than the Dukies of Cameron. That might be the thing I miss most about college basketball, away from the teams, of course, cheer about yeah, or bet on. Right. That part, just mm-hmm. the end of a game as they're putting a team away mm-hmm. and hearing that echoing through Allen Fieldhouse. Mm. I'm with you. Um, cathedral of mm-hmm. uh, college basketball in the Big 12, no doubt about that. Well, we shall see. 14.5 is the number tonight. Again, the game tips at 6. Uh, can't be in front of your TV. You can hear it down the hall in 100.3, the bus. Let's get back-to-back winners on the Miller & Condon program. The, the keyword is Bills to 200-200. Nate Bolton joins us when we come back on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106- Tell them you heard it on KXNO. Welcome back. 10.30 on a Thursday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Want to feel older? 31 years ago, Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson. 30? 31 years ago today. Today. 1990. Tonight for us, right? Was it tonight? Was was, was that the fight that was in Japan? In Tokyo, yeah. Tokyo, I thought so. Yes, Uh, I remember being at Grandma's house. She had ESPN (laughs) watching SportsCenter, and they couldn't show show videos, just pictures, Uh as I was watching the crawl and... 
Mike Tyson got beat? Yeah. And, I mean, he got cr- just crushed. That uppercut just put him away. Nate Bolton joins the program. Uh, he is a state senator, of course, Hedberg and Bolton. He's uh, during, that's his other life, uh, employment attorneys. But uh, for the sake of this conversation, he's Senator Nate Bolton, who, along with Republican Senator, a little bipartisanship going on here, uh, have put forward a name, image, and likeness bill. Uh, Nate, as always, we appreciate you coming on, Senator Bolton. Uh, um, let's uh, start with what happened yesterday. Good to speak with you. Uh, I took another step forward yesterday. What can you tell us? Great to be out with you guys. Yes, uh, we had our name, image, likeness bill reintroduced uh, last week, and then just yesterday had a subcommittee hearing on on the bill. Uh, it did advance uh, three nothing, so uh, bipartisan support uh, from the vote in the subcommittee as well. Uh, but yeah, it is uh, is now moved on to the full Senate Judiciary Committee, and hopefully uh, gets uh, attention from from the full committee soon. So we get these steps, we get this process continuing. We see other states that this is also happening in. What is the likelihood that ultimately it doesn't become a state by state issue? That this federal is just yeah mm-hmm. is handed down by the NCAA on a federal level, or are we just completely uh, way away the way this thing is going to work? It seems pretty clear the only way it's going to be dealt with States. as a national issue is when the pressure becomes mm-hmm. too great from, from the individual state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the NCAA has had plenty of opportunities to deal with this issue uh, and, and could have worked with Congress to get a, a package through. They, they have stalled. They have delayed. And now uh, we're at the point where individual states do have a duty to, to protect our student-athletes. And we've seen... Uh, six states do that, and and hopefully we can get through this process here in Iowa and do what we need to do. Uh, Nate, I read the piece in the Des Moines Register. I wish I could remember the reporter's name. I'd credit him, but it is in the Register. You're quoted in it. So is your uh, Republican colleague, Brad Zahn. Um, Keith Saunders is a lobbyist for the Iowa Regents, the Board of Regents, who I guess is lobbying against this. And his quote, and I'm paraphrasing, this is something that's needed here comes the big, the key word, but we think it's needed more so on a state level. So why would the Iowa Board of Regents be against getting behind this? So they're not necessarily against it, and they've made, made that very clear. They, they just have concerns with the, the patchwork of state-by-state solutions. But, um, you know, I, I think Keith uh, did a good job yesterday of, of very plainly stating this is a problem. It does need to be dealt with. And, and he, he agrees with us on that. Um, so I, I don't want to, you know, put, put words in his mouth that, that the regents have come out against this. Uh, they do want to make sure it's done the, the right way. And ideally, I think for everybody, a national solution is better. Yep. It's just a matter of we, we can't wait indefinitely for that to happen. So you, you, you brought this forward uh, last year in 2020. It seemed to gain a little bit of momentum before stalling out. What's different this year in the bill, Nate? What make it, might make it more appealing to everybody and therefore gain passage uh, that wasn't there last year? Well, the one thing that's going to make it more appealing this year than it was last year is the pressure there is to deal with this issue. Uh, Florida is going to have a name, image, likeness statute take effect in July. Uh, and our argument this year is we should not be waiting to have our Iowa student athletes uh, behind anybody else with lesser and fewer rights once this, this patchwork of states does get started uh, with recognizing this right. So that's the, the, the biggest thing is the additional pressure. Uh, 
um, which leads to the two things that are, are, are big changes in this bill versus last year, which is the effective date becomes July 1st, so we uh, line up with Florida. Mm-hmm. We've also included in the effective date that any time any other state goes ahead, our state uh, w- our statute would take effect at that time. Mm-hmm. So basically, we, we don't fall behind anybody with our with our statute the way it's written in this bill. The other thing is it eliminates the trust accounts that we had uh, last year. That was a, a concern that several members had about uh, being able to to preserve amateur status and protect student athletes as much as possible, but since no other state has pursued the idea of holding these these funds in trust until the student athlete is not eligible anymore, we just we were going to be so far out of sync with the other states that we just had to get rid of that provision. So, a question that I have, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the trust issue, is what's going to be in place for these student athletes when they get on campus? Is it is there going to be each university's athletic department has to explain to them what is happening, forming an LLC, doing something like that. What's going to be in place for some 17, 18-year-old kid getting to campus and, hey, a lot of people want to give you some money. How is this going to work? So we do have a, a kind of registration process. Anybody who is acting as an agent or, or advisor uh, to any student athlete does have to register with the state treasurer's office. Um, so we, we know who is, is talking with these student athletes and, and trying to um, advise them or represent them in any way. So there, there is a, a little bit of protection there. Uh, but, yeah, the universities are, once this takes effect, going to have to educate their, their student athletes on what this bill does and how it's going to affect their lives and what, what they need to, to do to, to, you know, if they're going to take advantage of these marketing opportunities. Uh, to make sure they do it the right way. And it's just like any other thing that comes up in the life of a college athlete. You know, it's, uh, it's part of that, that transition and, and process that happens from, uh, student to, uh, to career. And we learn a lot of things as we go. And, uh, this is going to be one of those issues that I think in the long run is going to make our student athletes more successful in their careers beyond their education. Uh, Nate Bolton, State Senator. Nate Bolton is our guest. Nate, has there been any studies at all as to, you know, conceive? And if it's not a one size fits all, I get that. But what is um, what? What are some of the uh, dollar amounts that are floating around out there? Say for say Luca Garza, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. this year. Um, have you have you seen any of those? I, I I guess studies as to how much money may be available to some of the students. It, it is really hard to gauge that because we we don't have any sample size, right? We just That's do not point. know yeah. what things looks like. What things look like on the other end of this? How much? Uh, you know, I, I would guess that there it will be a smaller pool of money than the what goes directly to universities because the the best promotions are still going to be the ones that are in game uh, while people are sitting there watching the athletes. Uh, but certainly it's going to have an effect on, on student athletes to be able to say uh, to, to a student, uh, you know, Luca Garza is the example you gave. Uh, Luca, can you wear a, an Adidas sweatshirt when you're walking around campus? You know, there's going to be some value to that. Uh, we just don't know for sure what exactly that's going to be. But one, one thing I want to point out with that is this is a really big deal for uh, female college yeah. athletes. Women's sports, mm-hmm. it, it is such a difference maker uh, to, to be able to have uh, for a women's basketball player. Megan Gustafson, I think, would have broke that. the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. it, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yep, I'm with you. All right, uh, another component that I've heard, an, an argument from – 
the college's side, and that is, all right, Bills Ford, they spend $2 million a year with us. Well, now they're only going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars, and they're going to spend that money actually on the student-athletes, and it's going to hurt the bottom line for these athletic departments. Does that hold much water when you hear those arguments coming from the university and college's side? Well, there's an obvious flip side to that argument, uh, which is there's a whole lot of money in college athletics that's being focused on building facilities and coaching contracts because they're the only two outlets for those resources. Mm -hmm. So it it is a really artificial bubble to create around the student-athlete that is performing on the field, that does have every bit of pressure on them to to exceed expectations in their performance, and yet they are isolated away from any of these resources that, that are basically hinged upon their, their successes and failures. So I, I'd say that, you know, you can look at that as a glass half full or half empty, but to me, um, you're still going to have most of the focus on marketing with the actual university, with the actual athletic team. This will be a secondary tier of marketing opportunities, but it's one that should exist. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, in this era, the, the COVID era, can you imagine if we wouldn't have had college football to entertain us every weekend or college basketball now? And um, I, I just can't imagine. So, Nate, uh, help us out. What's next? Give us a timeline. When do you think we will know if this is going to be passed in the state of Iowa? You know, I think you look at what happens with us in this uh, Judiciary Committee. If we're able to come out of it with uh, good bipartisan support and get this bill onto the floor, then I think it really does have an opportunity to, to succeed. But we've got some work to do. Uh, this is an issue that really, it, there's a reason why it is a bar, bipartisan bill. It does not neatly cut down, you know, Democrat or Republican lines. Uh, th- this is an issue that, that is um, a little bit apolitical, and hopefully we can put together enough of a coalition to, to support it, to advance it, and actually make it law. Jack Whitford behind this? We've had a lot of good conversations with Jack Whitfer. Um, what, what I'm uh, really pleased with this year is we were able to engage a, a number of student-athletes directly mm-hmm. in getting some input on this legislation. We had a great meeting with, with Senator Whitfer um, about a month ago with several student-athletes from Iowa, uh, UNI. Uh, we had uh, men's athletics, women's athletics represented, and really did have a good conversation with him. And hopefully uh, he, he certainly sees the same thing that kind of Keith Saunders was mentioning. This is a problem and it does have to be dealt with. So now it's a matter of how do we get to the solution. Malfort, uh, keep us posted, Nate. Uh, we appreciate what you do for us. Nate Bolton, Hedberg and Bolton during the non-legislature session. Right now he's Senator Nate Bolton. Senator, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good Every to talk day, to you. Guys. Nate Bolton uh, joining us from the legislature. So there you go. Sounds like it's not far from a done deal again. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Whitfer, former student-athlete. Maybe he's not behind this. I don't get it. Uh, anyways, uh, it's not for me to get. I will we'll get you to break, and we will come back, and we'll talk a little puck in the 11 o'clock hour. We will hear uh, from Mac McCausland on last night's Hawkeye game in the Big Ten overall. And then Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports uh, on the Big 12, Kansas-Iowa State tonight. Baylor, have you heard when Baylor's going to get back no i was uh, listening a little bit to college basketball conversation and it just still said on pause are they was the graphic michigan is sunday that's when they're supposed to be back mm-hmm. there it was originally tonight 
against Illinois. Oh, Illinois game, right. Eesh. Now it's Sunday against Wisconsin. How many games is Michigan going to play in the Big Ten? Oh, man. Put the over-under at 17 and a half. I'll take the... So, you know what? I'm going to take the over because I want to see him play the over. <laughs> you hope you're right. Indeed, I do. We'll come back. Miller and Condit, 1460 KX and 01. Bank of Iowa. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. The Wild are in town Saturday, mm-hmm. the 13th of February. They next play at home on the 13th of March. Gone for a month. You got state wrestling next week. Uh huh. That's part of it. A big part of it. You have girls' state basketball. That's the other. Keep going. There's one and more. And then there's boys' state basketball. <laughs> it's the same every year. But man, a month on. Well, it's not going to be staying out on the road the whole time. What so, do the Spurs always have to go on the road every year? Is it for the rodeo that comes to San Antonio? Oh, that would. Well, you know what? Joe Donna worked in San Antonio. Yeah. Let's ask him. Joe, why did the Spurs go on the road for a month? Well, it's always nice to catch up with you. Good Thanks for having me on. Catch up with you. Um, yeah, and, well, I was well, he's in, in Houston. Houston. Yeah, 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 San Antonio livestock show and rodeo there you go. Uh, would boot the Spurs and the Rampage. Um, but the Rampage used to have what they called the rodeo road trip, and sometimes it'd be twenty-one straight days on the road. Um, but yeah, in Houston we had the rodeo as well, but that would um, that would take up uh, like the Astrodome area there, where, like where where we're lying is and the Texans playing stuff like that. That didn't really affect. Um, the arrows as much, but yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a long time about home games after Saturday night. Um, not a lot of games per se, but just a lot of time without uh, being able to play here at Wells Fargo Arena. Yeah, you're gonna have some games. You know, I I, uh, I saw Joe O'Donnell. Uh, well, I didn't see Joe O'Donnell, Trent. <laughs> I was on at Hockey Fights, which is a spot on Twitter I go to every. They recap the night and fight. <laughs> All right, and I was way down the rabbit hole, and I heard Joe O'Donnell calling a Houston Arrow scrap. Ah. I think John Scott was involved. You remember that one? Yeah, it was. Yeah, you sent you sent it to me on Twitter, Kenny, and it's funny sometimes to go way back and hear. Uh, how your your call sounds different, yeah. uh, you know. And back then, it was uh, it wasn't the quality AHL TV that the league has now. Right. So, like, I think the internet with cable was, you know, the stream was probably buffering. So then your voice gets like <laughs> digitalized. And uh, but yeah, man, there were some. I was just actually watching with our strength coach a brawl in 2007 between Idaho and uh, Alaska. That once upon a time I called and <laughs> want to go back down memory lane sometimes with some of those good scraps. Indeed it is. That hockey fights on Twitter if you're a hockey fan and you like the that part of the game. Well, Joe, what did you see opening weekend? Um, speaking of scraps, and, and we that was kind of been the theory out there because these teams are going to be here. They're going to play three in a row, which is you know normally two in a row here, but it's different at the NHL level. I saw the Wild. Who was the Wild and the Lanch were matched up with all four of them? I think that was the prior to the uh, the COVID shutdown. But are we seeing? Does it get a little testy uh, as the uh, games kind of pile up on one another with these teams seeing each other back to back? You know, three times, four times in a row. Yeah, and I think that's just going to continue throughout the year. Uh, it's just natural, you know. It's almost like a playoff series in a lot of ways, and. Um, I think back to your initial question there on just what did I see this weekend, I, I think there was a lot to take in from having fans back in the arena to having uh, some good hockey on the ice, but young team. And, again, a lot of these teams didn't have preseason games, so there's a little feeling out process. There's 
you know, who's playing well with who, sort of evaluating from the coaching staffs, um, guys getting their first taste of pro hockey. So really just a lot here and a really good three-game series. And the Stars took game one with a third-period rally. Wild took the, uh, the rematch pretty convincingly. And game three went to overtime. So, um, yeah, it was really good overall. And I think uh, now with a good week of practice for the guys that are on the ice right now, I think that'll be uh, you know, something for them to build off of opening weekend and get ready for Saturday when Rockford gets here. I saw Dumont had a, a couple of goals in the game, guy that has bounced around. He is uh, one of those guys that have been a lot of different organizations. What have you seen from him? And give us maybe a, a surprise or two that you saw the opening three games of the season. Yeah, Gabriel Dumont was great. Um, you know, last year was his first year at the organization. He's a well-respected veteran guy. He always competes hard. He was playing really well to start his season here last year. Got called up to the NHL, came back, never really kind of got his game going again. Then he got hurt, missed like eight weeks. And then when he returned, he had, you know, a handful of games and the season shut down. So for him to come back, be healthy, uh, be a veteran presence on this team, nice to see him score three times in the first three games. Um, picked up an assist as well. Um, boy, I think as far as uh, something that maybe surprised me or a face or two to keep an eye on, this kid Damon Hunt can play. He's only 18. Again, mm-hmm. he's another guy that I've talked about before. He's not supposed to be here mm-hmm. on a normal season because of eligibility. But he's here now, and as long as he's here, he's going to play at least every other game on the back end. Um, a kid that I really thought was impactful Monday, and uh, we'll see kind of has his career project. The crazy part is, you know, he'll go back to junior hockey, whether they start up this year or next year. Like, he, he couldn't even play here next season. So Jeez. you get a taste of him now if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, and then you might not see him in the pro ranks again for a while. Uh, so so where did he play? Is he in the Western Hockey League or the OHL? So we have uh, two Western Leaguers, and Adam Beckman and Ryan O'Rourke, and then Damon Hunt out of the two Greyhounds in the Ontario Hockey League. Oh, gotcha. And, and I, I saw something, Joe, that they're trying to start up. They're going to go inside a bubble yeah. here. Uh, is what I thought. Oh, I, I'm looking at his, uh, he just moved up in my uh, book even further. He's a Manitoba boy, Brandon Hunt, or Damien Hunt is. Anyways, yeah. um, so so the product on the ice, I want to go back to what you said. Um, is Tim Army, is he juggling lines, you know, with no exhibition games? Is he moving guys around, moving lines around as he looks for the optimum uh, usage in his guys? Because, I mean, no preseason. I'm chuckling a bit here, Kenny, because leading up to and through camp, he had his board set, and it didn't really change the whole week of practice. And then, yeah. you know, opening night rolled out with who we practiced with, and after opening night loss, pretty much everything was different the next day. I so, um, you know, he's attacking this thing like it's like it's a regular season with the normal things at stake and the normal length. I mean, um, after one loss opening night, he didn't like what he saw, and he had no problem telling the guys it was unacceptable and. Uh-huh. You know, if you're not ready, you're not going to play. And uh, if you're not learning and improving, you're going to sit. So uh, he made some significant adjustments between game one and game two. Um, but the, the really crazy thing here is it's going at every level of sports and everybody's daily life. It's just the day-to-day. I mean, you mentioned Minnesota being on pause. They have, like, you know, half, more than half the roster, either positive tests or close contacts, obviously. And um, what are they going to look like when they restart next week? They're probably going to have – Close to 10 Iowa Wild players, including mm. the taxi squad guys. Uh, so then what does Iowa's roster look like? So uh, it's just going to be that daily, you know, transaction wire, who's going up, who's been in close contact with somebody, false positives. I mean, all these variables that get thrown into it, and it's going to be very day-to-day. I mean, on Monday, you know, the third game against Texas Stars, 
A um, couple guys jumped in the lineup that weren't expecting to play even that morning because of, you know, variables. And, and Saturday, Josh Mazur took warm-ups. Uh, Joseph Cramarosa was a little banged up. Couldn't go after warm-ups. Josh Mazur comes in. First game ever as a pro, scores the game one and goal. So you're going to have storylines like that all year long. You're going to have guys getting phone calls in the afternoon. Hey, you know, you, you thought you were going to be scratched. I'll get to the rink, make sure you're here ready to go because you're going to play tonight. So I think that's going to sometimes dictate a lot of what goes on. And then Minnesota's going to, you know, obviously want to see some of these prospects play. Um, and that could dictate, obviously, with a lot of bodies, you know, sort of rotating guys in and out of the lineup so that everybody gets a chance to develop. So with, with Minnesota being shut down, if they were taxi squad guys, it's not like you can just, you know, ship them off to Des Moines and put them on the ice for the Iowa Wild, right? Because of yeah. protocols. Yeah. Exactly. So Mason, Shaw, and Will Bitten were reassigned to Iowa over the weekend, uh, and they had a quarantine. They came in, did their daily testing with the group, separate from the group, but uh, here at the arena, but they couldn't play. They've now both been cleared. They're both on the ice today. So, um, again, if Minnesota makes more call-ups, they could be right back up. But um, there were two guys that were healthy and were negative tests, but because they had been around the big club at the time of their shutdown, um, they were able to be sent down from a salary cap purpose and a money-saving standpoint, but they couldn't help the team at all. So certainly, I'm sure, frustrating for those two players. You know, um, I talked to both of them this morning, and they just couldn't wait to get back on the ice because it had been a week or so. Speaking of that, Joe, working with these guys, talking with these guys now, as you have, they're professionals. They're always working hard. They're always on the precipice of moving up and playing in the NHL. But after the way the season ended a year ago, how quickly it was taken away, do you do you sense that these guys are looking at this year differently? And and what when the opportunity comes, maybe even taking it, not taking it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think it's a great point, Trent. Um, not that anybody's really openly come out and told me that, but listen, nobody has really complained or moaned or put up a fuss about what we've asked them to go through here. Uh, league-wide, team-wide, there's a lot of stringent protocols in place. Asking these guys not to go out and live their lives like they normally would. Ask them to come in every day and get their nose swabbed and at 7 a.m. and all these things that you know, change the way we travel, the way we eat as a team, the way we do things as a team, the way you work out in small groups, wearing your mask in the locker room. Um, all those things are way different for everybody. And there hasn't been a lot of complaining. And a lot of these guys have been doing it now, including training camp for three weeks or more. So uh, I think it's just, it is what it is for a lot of these guys. They want to be back. They sat out for so long um, that they're just excited to be back out on the ice and competing and and hopefully improving themselves and their chances someday getting the NHL. Uh, Saturday night, uh, last game for a month, Rockford in town. Anything special going on at the rink, Joe? Yeah, the drink specials continue to flow, my friends. Uh, <laughs> two for $12 tall boys. Um, that's the happy hour special. So when the doors open, till puck drops, you get about an hour there to enjoy two for $12 tall boys. Um, tickets are at iowawild.com. Again, a limited number available for each game because our season ticket holders have obviously scooped up a bunch, but we do have some on sale. And, again, I just encourage our listeners and fans, just check out our website. All the promotions are on there. All the frequently asked questions and uh, protocols are listed. If you have any questions at all, our customer service team is outstanding. We want you to come out and have a safe, fun experience. But uh, it's the Blackhawks farm team coming to town. It's always a huge rivalry. And the puck drops at 6 on Saturday night. Uh, we'll talk to you before the next homestand, Joe. Uh, until then, uh, be well. Good to talk to you, Joe O'Donnell. Yeah, always. 
pleasure having me on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Joe Donald, the voice of the Iowa Wild. You can hear the Iowa Wild here all season long on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Mac McCausland leads off our number two. Matt Poston's on the Big 12. Miller and Condon will be back in a few minutes.